Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover sections 33 and 34 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Section 33, uh, Revelation given in uh, October 1830 to Ezra Thayer and Northrop Sweet. They are called to serve missions um, and to go and open their mouth and declare the word, declare the gospel. So just some background about uh, a little bit about these men. Northrop Sweet ends up leaving the church shortly after this. He joins uh, and formed another group called the Pure Church of Christ. He had some problems with Joseph Smith, essentially, um, and that group, the Pure Church of Christ, ends up uh, going defunct very shortly after it's formed. Um, section 33, verse 1 says, Open your ears and hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, whose word is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. This is a this is a common theme throughout all of scriptures. There are scriptures in in Doctrine and Covenants, the Book of Mormon, uh, everywhere. And some that come to my mind are in Second Nephi chapter one, uh, verse twenty-six and twenty-nine, Helaman chapter three, Alma chapter four, verse nineteen. Section 1 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verses 37 and 38. The Lord is, repeats this type of phrase, that his word is powerful. And what are they supposed to go out? They're supposed to go out and declare his gospel, which is, in another way of saying, his word. When we're asked to go open our mouth, and he's going to fill it. When we're asked to go spread the gospel, to teach the gospel, to teach his word, I think it's important that we remember that his word is powerful. It is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. That we don't have to be afraid because the the message that we have to deliver has a power in itself that um, if people want to deny and reject it, that's, that's, that is their prerogative and they have their agency. But when we open our mouth and follow and do so following the Spirit, there, there's a power that will protect us. We don't have to be afraid of ruining relationships. We don't have to be afraid of what people will say or, or you know, proving us wrong. We have the power of the Word of, of the Lord. That's what we're going to, to share. Um, verse 2 says, Declare my gospel unto a crooked and perverse generation. President Joseph Fielding Smith said, There are many debts which we owe to the Lord. There is a debt of preaching this gospel to a wicked and perverse generation. The Lord has given unto men their agency. They may act for themselves. They can choose to do good or they can choose to do evil. The Lord said to that, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Yet our mission, I say, is so far as is within our power to regenerate, to bring to, to bring repentance just as many of the children to bring to repentance, just as many of the children of our Father in heaven as it is possible for us to do. That is one of our debts. That is an obligation the Lord has placed upon the church, and more particularly upon the quorums of the priesthood of the church, and yet this obligation belongs to every soul. It is the duty of every member of this church to preach the gospel by precept and by example. We need to teach it by precept. We need to, we need to overtly be directly instructing people in the gospel. What are the principles of the gospel? What are the doctrines of the gospel? But also, as I mentioned last, uh, uh, maybe it was 
Yeah, it was the last episode. Just trying to remember what I've recorded here. In the last episode, uh, when the Lord directed uh, John Whitmer to labor with his whole soul for Zion, when he, when we need to be teaching the gospel, and as so, it just popped in my head another thought. Ella Ruchdorf, teach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Teach it by precept and by example. This section, section thirty-three, has two pretty strong references to uh, Matthew chapter twenty-five and the parable of the, of the ten virgins. The first comes in verse three with a reference to the eleventh hour, meaning just before the end of the day. Um, Elder S. Orson F. Whitney referred to this time at our time as the Saturday night of time, or we're at the end of the week, we're at the end of the time, we're at the eleventh hour. The other reference comes in verse 10 when the Lord says, Ye open your mouths and they shall be filled. Repent ye, repent ye, and prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, sorry, I mixed up my notes. I'm going to get to the making the path straight in a second. It's actually verse 3 with the 11th hour that makes reference to the 10 virgins. And then it's verses 17 and 18 when the Lord tells us to pray always, having your lamps trimmed and burning. Um, that is a reference to the, the parable of the ten virgins and having their lamps with oil ready to, to run. So I thought it would be maybe appropriate to share a little bit about uh, this the wedding traditions. So I'm going to be really high level here, but in brief, what happens is the bride will be at at a house. Um, and it's gonna. It's actually the house that they. I believe it's the house that the 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 bridegroom and the bride will be living at. So she she waits there all day with um, you know her bridesmaids, quote unquote. You know it'll be her sisters and her mother and her all of her female f- friends, right? And they'll be getting ready, and they'll. There's some other interesting things. They'll, they'll read poetry about, about her beauty and about love, to, like all day. That's that's what would go on. Okay, the bridegroom would be uh, somewhere else, across town, wherever, at another house, getting ready. Um, and what they would do is they would travel from the one location, the bridegroom, to the bride. And along the way, they would make stops, and they would. Uh, there would be people of the wedding party all strewn along the, this path, you know, and their job was to be ready when the bridegroom got there to join it. And then if there, if it was, if night had fallen, their duty was also to light the way to join, to bring, you know, these, to bring, have lanterns to light along the path. So, um, there'd be men and women just, you know, the, the wedding group along the way and these 10 virgins that Christ tells us about would be would fit in that group of they're they're waiting for the bridegroom to come they know he's coming they know it's the wedding day they know that he's got to come and pick them up along their his way to his bride and so not only did the five foolish virgin virgins miss out on something, of themselves, they missed out on it 
knowing that they had to do it, knowing that it was their duty, knowing that when the bridegroom did get there, it was part of their job, their responsibility, their their uh, offering. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Um, I don't know. Uh, just, but it's part of their responsibility to have their lamps ready so that they could be lighting the way as they went. Which does relate to verse 10 that I mixed up here and making the paths of the Lord straight. What does that mean? Well, in ancient times, when a king was would, would announce travel plans from point A to point B, uh, people, his you know, servants would go out before him and clear the path, make sure that there was no fallen trees along the route. There, if the if the path was crooked and windy, they would you know maybe knock over some trees to make it literally straight, so that it was much quicker from point A to point B for the king. Um, you know, if there was if it was a muddy and, and worn path, they would do what they could to repair it, so that it was as smooth uh, as smooth as possible from point A to point B. It was their responsibility, their duty to make the paths the, the the path straight. So, what does that mean? It means our job, our duty. What is the Lord saying to us? He's asking us to gather Israel to prepare the world for His coming. One way that we can do that is to pray always, having our lamps trimmed and burning. We can't help other people if we don't have oil in our lamps. We can't gather Israel. If, our, if we're not gathered ourselves, we can't invite others to let the Lord prevail, let God prevail in their life, if we're not letting God prevail in our life. So, the Lord, I think, knowing even Ezra uh, and Northrop, and like I said, Northrop ends up leaving right after this. I think the Lord knew some of some of all of Northrop's heart in his call here to Northrop he's inviting him to spread the gospel yes he's calling on him on a mission but it ends and and from what i've gathered and from my studies it seems as though Ezra took this to heart he didn't he stayed faithful again caveat could be wrong but from my studies that's I didn't find anything that said he left the church. And so you have this these two men receiving the same revelation from the prophet, through the prophet, from God. One of them is not faithful. He, one of them did not pray always, having his lamp trimmed and burning, and the other did. And it, I mean, I don't know, put yourself in, this, in, in position today. Imagine sitting before President Nelson. President Nelson gives you a revelation from God that seems like it would be pretty powerful, impactful, poignant, memorable. But if you if you left that meeting and didn't do anything to keep oil in your lamp, then it would go out and that meeting would have and that revelation would mean nothing. And it would have amounted essentially to nothing. And to one of these men, that's what happened. But to the other, he took the direction. He spread the gospel. He taught the gospel. But importantly, he continued to let God prevail in his own life. 
He continued to to replenish the oil in his lamp. October 2020, Elder Bednar uh, told a story about Elder Holland coming to BYU-Idaho when Elder Bednar was the president of the university. And he asked Elder Holland, what would, if you could teach these, these kids, these students, one lesson, what would it be? And it's a, pretty, a fairly long quote, but Elder Holland essentially says that you need, to, you need to make a choice. If you just tread water in a moving river, then you're going to move. You're just going to go wherever the current takes you. If you are burning your oil, you might think, look at my faith, I'm doing okay. But here's the thing, you're burning the oil, it's, it's a finite resource, it's going to go away. You use it up. You use up your faith. If you're not replenishing it, if you're not doing things on the daily, every day, every day, every day, then your oil will burn up and be gone. All right, we're going to move on to section 34. Section 34 um, is revelation given through the prophet Joseph to Orson Pratt. And uh, so some background here. In the beginning part of November, Orson Pratt, was, who was 19 at the time, came to visit Joseph Smith. Um, he had been baptized when Parley, his brother, had taught him the gospel in September. And so now it's been about six weeks from that time. He comes visits Joseph and asks Joseph, what revelation, what do you want me to do? What would the Lord have me do? And section 34 is the revelation that's given. Um, This is what Orson Pratt himself said about this. He said, in October 1830, I traveled westward over 200 miles to see Joseph Smith, the prophet. I found him in Fayette, Seneca County, New York, residing at the home of Mr. Whitmer. I soon became intimately acquainted with this good man and also with the witnesses of the Book of Mormon. By my request on the 4th of November, the Prophet Joseph inquired of the Lord for me and received the revelation published in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 34. So that that's, uh, that's what happens here. He is also called to preach the gospel. He's taught that by preaching the gospel is how we... Uh, prepare and make way for the second coming. Verse 6 says, to lift, up your, to lift up your voice with the sound of a trump, both long and loud, and cry repentance under the, uh, to a crooked and perverse generation, preparing the way of the Lord for his second coming. So what does that mean? Think about the last section that we read about making straight the way of the Lord, preparing the way of the Lord, the, making straight his paths. Or a crooked generation, what do we need to make? We need to make them straight. We And what does it mean to be crooked? Well, it just means that they are mistaken. It means that uh, they... Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're all evil and wicked because if they want to be evil and wicked, but it just means that they're mistaken in many cases. And they need to be brought in. And should we do that timidly? No, with a, with a, with a trump... In in uh, ancient times, when the, when a king had to decree something, a trumpeter would blast a horn to get to call attention to the, the announcement. Going into battle, there would be a, a horn, a trumpet, to uh, spur on and urge on the, the 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 battle and the warriors. Not something quiet, not something shy, but with with um, with power. And with authority, 
That's how, we're, and that's how Orson was asked to spread the gospel. That's how we are asked to spread the gospel. Uh, verses one through four, the Lord refers to Orson as my son. And this is one of these many times, one of the many times where the Lord teaches that we are his children and that there is a difference between being a child of God and becoming sons and daughters of God of Christ. Um, and we do that through making and keeping sacred covenants. President Lorenzo Snow wrote this poem, and you'll recognize a line from it because it's something that is oft repeated, but it, here's the entire poem. It says, Hast thou not been unwisely bold, men's destiny to thus unfold, to raise, promote such high desire, such, va- such vast ambition thus inspire? Still, tis no phantom that we trace man's ultimate, ultimate ultimatum in life's race. This royal path has long been trod by righteous men, each now a god. As Abram, Isaac, Jacob too, first babes, then men, to gods they grew. As man now is, our God once was, as now God is, so man may be, which doth unfold man's destiny. The boy like to his father hath father grown, but has but attained unto his own. To grow, to sire from state of son, is not against nature's course to run. A God, a, a son of God, like God to be, would not be robbing deity. And he who has this hope within will purify himself from sin. We can be like God because it's the natural course of things, but only through Christ and only as we seek to purge and purify ourselves from sin through the atonement of Christ. Verse 5 through 10, which I've already mentioned some of these verses, the Lord clearly and like straightforwardly calls Orson to preach the gospel boldly. With the sound of a trump, Orson Pratt said, I mean, imagine imagine having a revelation to you printed in the Doctrine and Covenants. What do you think that would do? And so keep that in mind as you as I read what uh, Orson said. He, he said, uh, This was a particular point in the revelation that seemed to me too great for me to even attain to, and yet there was a positive command that I should do it. I have often reflected upon this revelation and have oftentimes inquired in my heart, have I fulfilled that commandment as I ought to have done? I think that's something important for us to ask ourselves. The revelations the Lord has given us, have we fulfilled the the commands that he's given us as we ought to have done? And I think we need to be fair to ourselves because if the answer is yes, then we should be fair to ourselves. But also, if the answer is no, we shouldn't be down and too hard on ourselves. We should use that to urge us, to inspire us, to strive to be better, to pray for a greater strength and help for the enabling power of the atonement of Christ because it's through his power that we can do all things. Not because of us, but because of him. Uh, verses 7 through 12, the Lord winds up and closes up and one of the things he says is, I come quickly. Well, that was over 100 years. That was nearly 200 years ago now. But one thing we learn through in Isaiah chapter 55, the Lord's ways are not our ways. Kyle S. McKay in 2020 gave a talk about the Lord's timing. The Lord often says things like, I come quickly, or the time is not far distant, or uh, uh, and not, not many days hence. And then in, those, in each of those instances, it's, you know, hundreds of years, a lifetime or more. Um, but what's important to know is that the timing of the Lord is to the Lord, and it's not to us. When he says, I come quickly, well, 
what's a couple hundred years when and it when there's an eternity what's a couple hundred years when the history of the earth is thousands and thousands of years it is quickly it is soon it is short we are in the 11th hour but for us to think that that means oh it's tomorrow that's that will probably be wrong and in your life in the in the trials that you face in the mountains that you're trying to get removed by your through your faith the lord might tell you things like just a little while longer. Well, what does that mean? It might mean six months. It might mean three days. It might mean the rest of your life. But what I can tell you, and I can tell you from my own personal experience with the Lord, is that some blessings come soon and some come late, but they will always come. And that Jesus Christ is the great deliverer. So when he says, I come quickly, it may not be seem quick to you. Elder McKay in his talk in 2020 talked about his son saying, hey, hey, dad, I've realized something that when you tell me uh, not in just, just a minute, that is a really long time to me. And it's it's not a very long time to you. When we go to the Lord and the Lord says, be patient, wait, it might be a long time to us. But if we hold out faithful to the end, the blessings and the deliverance will come. And as we look back, we will think how quickly how quickly that came. How quickly did deliverance come? Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Hope you join me in the final episode of the week as we discuss sections 35 and 36 um, and wrap up the week. Best of luck in your studies. Hope to talk to you soon.